Life's a road, and I'm going to drive it. My uncle was a professional whistler. I don't know what uncle to do, actually. I love Roger Moore. <laughs> I haven't had a Garibaldi in years. I wouldn't bother, mate. Lights are down on Regent Street. Absolute gridlock. I'll go Tottenham if I were you. They change it, got a Buckingham Palace. Christopher Robin went down with Alice. Tell you something, wouldn't do that if I were Christopher Robin. Not unless you're trying to offload old Alice onto a squaddie. I've seen the changing of the guards, and it's impressive. Then again, don't suppose a soldier could get you from Old Street to Tufnell Park when the Arsenal are playing at home. So we're even, I think. Right, in case you don't know by now, I'm Ray Black, this is Streets of London, let's get this show on the road. Buckingham Palace. Official residence of Her Majesty the Queen. God save her. So, of course, some people have asked me, hang on, Ray... How come you ain't got an MBE yet? And the honest answer is, I don't know. But I don't know how you're supposed to apply. It doesn't bother me, though. I'm a patient man. And in any case, my MBE is the wreck I passed after six years of studying for the knowledge. And the green badge I've got locked away with Anne-Marie's pearls. Not that kind of pearls. It's a funny thing, but I read somewhere that they did a test and found out that the posterior hippocampus, the part of the brain used for memory, is larger in black cab drivers than in your average Londoner. How about that? Eddie told me not to mention that. He says it makes me look big-headed. But I say Eddie is fact. You can't argue with fact. And besides, you listeners will find it reassuring. When someone gets into a cab, it's taken as a given that the cabbie remembers the streets. We know the ins and outs, feel the flow. That's all part of the posterior hippocampus. Oh, he's shaking his head, he's not happy. But this bit's staying in, Eddie. This bit's staying in. My producer, Eddie Max, one of the best in the business. I mean, he's won Webby's, Debbie's, Harry's, Barry's, all that stuff. For what? I don't think anybody really knows. He usually charges an absolute fortune, you know. Top bloke, but he needs to leave the driving to me. So let's get cracking. Buckingham Palace. Oh, that's nice. I wasn't expecting that. Thank you, Eddie. I said he was the best in the business, didn't I? (laughs) That's very good. (laughs) Okay, now you're showing off. Right. To kick things off, I've got a question for you. Ask yourself this. What is the difference between a palace and a castle? Hmm, now you might well have wondered about that, but never taken the time to fully uncover the answer. You've probably just thought, oh, palaces are a bit more fancy, they got a bit more gold on their turrets, and that sort of thing. But the funny thing is, while that is on the whole true, there is actually a very specific difference between a castle and a palace. Just like there's a very specific difference between what makes a town a town 
And a city, a city. It isn't just how big it is, it's actually a detail. And we'll find out what that is after Uncle Ray has had a biscuit. Watch out, it's an advert. So today is from Martin on Westry, who has solid wood kitchen worktops at £30. Martin says the wood has been stored in my garage for a few years. The wood has watermarks on one of the edges, but is not rotten. White marks showing in any pictures is the sunlight coming through into the garage. Lovely, not fungus. Grab a bargain at £30. Quality wood, not fungus. I would imagine Martin's quite flexible on that price. So, towns and cities, any ideas? No, you'll kick yourself. Cities have a cathedral or a university, and towns don't. Without one of those, it doesn't matter how big you get, you'll never be nothing but a town. Luton might have an airport and 200,000 poor buggers calling her home, but until she gets herself a cathedral or a university, which she won't, she'll always be a town. With castles and palaces, it's a little different. Because what makes a palace different from a castle isn't what is gained, but rather what it's lost. See, a castle is a fortification. It's designed to defend, to protect its people from outsiders, keep them safe. Accordingly, the toilet facilities in a castle are both rudimentary and weaponized. Basically, they're these little balcony-style rooms sticking out of the wall of the castle with a little hole in the bottom. Castle folk did their business through the hole and the people besieging them got an eyeful, giving us the expressions mud in your eye and death from above. But you will never find these long drops or guardy robes to give them their official name on the side of a palace wall. That's the difference. And that's why palaces are on the whole, considerably more classy. Now, don't get me wrong, I love castles too, I love them, and some exquisite buildings have retained their original guardy robes, or ejection pods, as I like to call them, but it doesn't matter how lovely you are, if you've got a long drop, you ain't a palace. By the way, the ejection pod in the beginning of Star Wars is a subtle nod to these traditional rooms, and it's no surprise that the two characters who are expelled from the ship under siege at the start of the film are a short, stubby number two, R2-D2, and a long, golden P, C-3PO. Classic Lucas. This is just one of a number of courtly references, along with knights and princesses and what have you, that you'll find scattered throughout the original Star Wars film. So I'm told. I haven't seen any of them. It's too far-fetched. It's just not believable. So what does this tell us about Buckingham Palace? Buckingham Palace started off life as the townhouse of the Duke of Buckingham, all the way back in the 1700s. In those days, the servants' quarters would have one or two regular long-drop ejection pods into the streets below. Standard practice. In time... George III bought the house for his wife Charlotte and it became known as the Queen's House. Then, in 1791, the house suddenly and without declared reason starts to be known as Buckingham Palace. And now, here we are. So what happened? Why the change? 
And here's where it gets interesting. You see, when Georgie moved in, the very first thing he did was knock out all the long drop ejection pots. In one fell swoop, he unwittingly turned a castle into a palace. But why? George had 14 kids in that place. He needed all the shit drops he could get. Well, you'll never believe this, but first-hand accounts by George III himself, so you know they're reliable, reveal that when he bought the place, it came with a going concern. You've got a lovely central location, south-facing garden, off-street parking, giant in the basement, but... Beg your pardon? There's a giant in the basement. Didn't Kieran mention that? No, we definitely mentioned that. Don't worry, he's harmless, as long as he don't continuously dunk shit on his roof. But who does that? Unless you've got 14 kids. You haven't got 14 kids, have ya? You do. Okay, well, I'm sure you'll figure something out. It's very reasonable. He's called Pompadour. I call him Pompey. He's Cornish. Gargantua's great nephew. They all came over from France during the revolution. It's only temporary until things settle down. Oh, Pompey, speak of the devil. Hello there. You like the new challenge, then? Oh, lovely. Love a young family, I do. Love them. Love families, me. Love the family unit. Love it. Love, 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 that's me. Excuse me. <sighs> love people. People say that. They say, Pompey, you are a lover, not a fighter. Not a fighter at all. Nor a biter, actually. Nor a biter. No, 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 no. Don't bite. Nor a person what pulls limbs off their sockets. Nah, not me. I'm a peaceful giant. We all are, aren't we all? At the end of the day, we love peace. We love it. We love peace between men. Which is why this revolution stuff in Paris is very difficult for us to watch. We shy away from conflict, you see, and we head for the peace and quiet. We love that. The quiet in particular. Which is why we don't like the thunk of shit on our roofs. You're not going to thunk shit on our roofs, are you, George? No. It's just I saw some very primitive loos up there, and I've done some calculations, and what with the projected trajectory of any excrement what might fall from those loos, and what with the size of your brood, I'm concerned there might be the thunk of shit on my roof. It's not the smell, George. I like the smell. It's the noise. It's too loud. And I know of some giants what might pull limbs out of sockets when they hear the thunk of shit on their roof. And I wouldn't want any kiddies to lose their limbs, George. Do we understand each other? Oh, lovely. Socket. There's some giants that say that socket's one of them onomatopoeic words. Socket. Socket. Not me, though. Now, as you know, giants can live for up to 600 years. So George did what he had to, and the guardy robes were removed. But that's no bad thing. Did I mention that Pompey was a world-class engraver. After years of smelly headaches, he was so grateful for the gesture that he swore an oath to make a bronze etching of each and every member of the royal family that ever was and ever would be. Basically portraits of the royals that looked like oversized coins. From that day on until the day he died. And he doesn't stop there. He single-handedly designed and excavated a brand new state-of-the-art sewage system for the king and queen, God save them, as a replacement for the long drops. And he's been down there in the dungeons ever since. But don't feel sorry for him. He loves it down there. He's got the life. He's got servants, pays no taxes, and he eats swan meat. Of course he does. Someone has to. 
Otherwise the city would be overrun with the big dumb birds. Remember, swans have no natural predators in London, and they're protected by the Queen, God save her. Without Pompey, there'd be thousands of them. Waddling into streets, fouling, disrupting traffic, hissing at the elderly, and breaking people's arms. Luckily, we only ever see two or three of them paddling along the serpentine. Where are they all? In a word, Swan Nuggets, Swan Kiev, and Swan Cordon Blue. <coughs> Lucky old Pompadour, I say. They say Swan is even better than chicken. But Pompey never forgot his promise to George III. And he's still making jumbo coin portraits to this day. Only problem is, there's a lot of royals now. Too much bronze for the royal warehouse. And so they flog them to councils as manhole covers and turn a tidy profit. How else do you think the Queen, God save her, makes ten billion a year? You'd know this if you ever had the chance to turn one over. Turns out, Every manhole cover in London has the Queen's head, God save her, on the underside. Either that, or George, or Edward, or one of the Henrys. But it's mostly the Queen, God save her. They call them street coins in the trade, and they're still made by Pompadour in Buckingham Palace dungeons. FYI, if you ever do want to lift up a street coin, you can get a very respectable universal key on Amazon for around 15 quid. It's smashing value for money. Eddie, can you put a link in for that? It's like a big long rod with a hook that you just lever into place. Please just remember to put some traffic cones around the hole when you're down there. It's not cool to leave manholes open willy-nilly. Life isn't a cartoon. If someone falls down there, you'd probably kill them. M most likely they'd break their neck on the fall... Uh... As if they hadn't already done so by smashing their head on one of the ladder rungs on the way down. And if they're still alive at that point, they're probably paralysed. And if it's face down in the mud or in the in the sewage, in the poo, they're going to be suffocating on... 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 well... shit. Not a nice way to go. But anyway, street coins are lovely and all that, but the main thing we Brits have to thank Pompadour for happened over 200 years ago in 1791 when he finally requested that the Queen's house get rid of all those servants' long-drop guardy robes. And Buckingham Palace was born. Turns out even a legendary giant doesn't like hearing the thunk of shit on a roof. And who can argue with that? I wouldn't. Hello, I'm a friendly and reliable van owner. Guaranteed best prices in town. Don't hesitate to call, massage or WhatsApp me your pickup postcode for a free quotation for clearing loads. One hand job and two hand jobs. No mess too big. I'm very clean and fast. Leighton Stone Man and Van. Heavy loads accepted. Do you know what? I do have a heavy load and it does need clearing. Excuse me. Now, Eddie tells me we've got our emails and Twitters working again, and he's putting the link up in a bit. In the meantime, I'll be perfectly honest with you, I don't actually read them, because I don't like screen glare. But this is a very good one, from uh, at Little Ron Ron in Leicester. 
Ron Ron. That's an unusual name. Wonder if he's actually little or if he's eight foot tall and having a laugh. It's probably the latter, isn't it? He's probably just called Ron, or he just loves the Eurythmics. Anyway, Ron Ron says, Why do you say Buckingham? Surely it's Buckingham. That's a good question, Ron Ron. And the reason is this. For a London cabbie, there's only really one palace, and that's Buckingham, Buckingham Palace. Kensington, Schmensington, Hampton Court. Oh, please. No, you say Palace, I say Buckingham. But you just say Buckingham. And that's where it gets confusing, because there's more than one. Have we got time for a bedtime story? Eddie says no. Well, I say yes. I like to call this one a tale of two Buckinghams. Once upon a time, there was a palace called Buckingham in England. People knew it far and wide, and for almost 200 years, it was the only Buckingham in the world. And then one day in 1949, on the other side of the world, in California, USA, a little boy was born. A little boy called Lindsay. Now, Lindsay was a very special boy. He was very good at swimming. But he was even better at guitar. He could play guitar better than anybody else in the world. And one day, he caught the eye of a girl called Stephen. Stevie, for short. Now, Stevie was a very good singer. Soon, they fell in love and started making sweet, passionate music together that, unfortunately, nobody listened to. Or so they thought, until one day when a man with a beard called Mick asked them if they'd like to join Mick, John and Christine in Mick's band. That little boy was Lindsay Buckingham and that band was Fleetwood Mac. They'd been having a little bit of trouble and they needed somebody to help them find the right sound. With Lindsay on guitar, there was nothing Fleetwood Mac couldn't do. But the top of the world is the most dangerous place of all. And Lindsay could never have predicted what happened next. By the end of the 1970s, Fleetwood Mac was so popular that 99% of the world's population owned at least one Fleetwood Mac LP. And of that 99%, 99% also believed that Lindsay Buckingham was the Duke of Buckingham. And a further 99% believed that he lived at Buckingham Palace. And of that 99%, 99% were harmless. But it's the other 99% who take it too far and ruin it for everybody else. And that's exactly what happened. It started innocent enough. Monday morning, shortly before the release of Tusk, a couple of hundred free-loving rockers turn up flashing boobies and doobies outside Buckingham Palace gates, waiting for Lindsay to appear. Which, of course, he doesn't. He doesn't live there. And the longer they wait, the more impatient they get. Play us a song. Do it, Lindsay. 
By Wednesday, the crowd's getting restless, the acid's wearing off, and the Queen, God save her, steps out onto the balcony to see what's going on. And everybody thinks she's Stevie Nicks. And they go wild. They start shouting, Gold Dust Woman! Gold Dust Woman! Gold Dust Woman. To the Queen. I mean, God save her. And then some Burke releases an albatross in the middle of the changing of the guards. And all hell breaks loose. Lindsay, this is for you. Cindy, what are you doing? I love you so much. Cindy, no! Your Majesty, the hippies have taken the forecourt. It's over. We must evacuate immediately. Nonsense! We'll do nothing of the sort. Release the swans. But, Your Majesty, they won't stand a chance. Do it, Corporal Lindsay. Oh my god. Run! There's a nice swan. Please, please. Two days later, the army finally managed to disperse the mob, but at what cost? Something had to be done, in case this happened again. Funnily enough, Lindsay was actually staying at the Ritz down the road the whole time, and he agreed to come down to the palace for emergency talks. So they snuck him in undetected, and they sat down together, Lindsay and the Queen. God save her. After several days of negotiation, it was mutually agreed that from that day forward, it would be Buckingham Palace and Lindsay Buckingham. And it's been that way ever since. Now why it took days to arrive at such a simple solution, you might well ask. Some people say that Lindsay and the Queen, God save her, had a bit of a thing. And that's why Stevie Nicks dumped him. But I say, that's just rumours. Of course, what I find so silly about the whole thing is that Lindsay didn't even play on Albatross. That was before his time. And if you love Fleetwood Mac, if you really love Fleetwood Mac, if you love him like I do, you'd know that. Oh, I love Fleetwood Mac. I love him so much. And I love Lindsay. I love his guitar. I love his solo stuff. I think it's sublime. I could listen to Lindsay Buckingham all day long. And I do. Often while driving past Buckingham Palace. There's no better feeling. 
And sometimes even I get confused. The police have been involved. But I would never, ever unleash an endangered bird on the old guard. That's a step too far. And because of that, they made him change his name. It kills me that he's not with the band anymore. It's so sad. So sad. Why would you throw away magic? I took a day off when I found out. My only day off in 30 years. They'll never be the same without him. He's got a gift. There's a parting gypsy. It's at 1 minute 43. I know exactly where it is. When Stevie sings to the gypsy. And Lindsay just chimes in with the softest little six-string twinkle. Bum, 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 bum. Bum, 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 bum. Just like a harp. And it just eats me up. I get lost. And then you think he's done, but he comes back again at the end. Bippy boom, bippy boom, bippy boom, bippy boom, bippy boom, bippy boom. Oh, it's wonderful. I always say, if angels did cocaine and play guitar, they'd sound like Lindsay Buckingham. Uh, funnily enough, angels on cocaine was what me and Eddie used to call ourselves back in the day. You remember? He's shaking his head. We had a mate who had a lorry and he was famous for skimming off the top of every shipment he made. Napkins, drugs, bananas, you name it, he skimmed it. Skimmer, we called him. Now one time, Skimmer sorted us out with a couple of Harleys. And I remember we used to finish work, have a few pints, go a bit mad on the sniff, and just scream down Oxford Street as fast as we could. Oh, those were the days. Just good old-fashioned, harmless fun. Before they ruined it with all those pedestrian crossings. Do you know what? Eddie's shaking his head. He's saying I got him mixed up with someone else. But it can't be, because that was how he met his missus. She was out with this bloke when Eddie lost control and ran over his leg. And Eddie felt so bad. He, bless him, he, he, he took them both to hospital. And while this geezer was seeing the doctor, Eddie and Pearl got chatting, and the rest is history. So not only did he cripple him for life, but he stole his girlfriend as well. That's fact, Eddie. You can't argue with fact. I don't ride a bike these days, of course. That's in the past. Sometimes I'll have a few pints and go for a drive, but never in the cab. That's a sacred space. As for Skimmer, he disappeared about 20 years ago. We never found out what happened to him, but I suspect it was something very horrible indeed. Ah, oh, how did we get onto that? Oh, Ron Ron. Buckingham Palace, Lindsay Buckingham. Angels on cocaine. That's what I love about Streets of London, see? You may know where you're going, but you'll never believe how you got there. Thank you, Ron, for that trip down memory lane. Well, that's about all we got time for this evening. Any other burning questions you have about Pompey or the Streets of London, do write in and let us know, and I'll get Eddie to circle the good bits and read them out next time. If he's still talking to me, that is. One little pop quiz for you before I go. How did Lindsay Buckingham make it into Buckingham Palace without anybody seeing him? Anyone? Eddie? No? He came in through the sewers, of course. Down a manhole. And who let him in? That's right. Pompadour. My name is Ray Black, and I'm always very happy to oblige. I'll pick you up at the next one, yeah? Diamond. Diamond. What you got then, 20? 
Chena. Go on then. Before I change my mind.